So who does that? That is the work of the guru. That is to say, not just guru in the ordinary sense, guru with a capital G, if you like, that is the work of, in the case of this particular period, Padmasambhava. Padmasambhava is the one who subdues the demons. That is his principal work. Subdues the gods and demons of Tibet, particularly. So, the Buddha, if we look at the, the life of Shakyamuni, the Buddha, yes, he did subdue the odd god and the odd demon. Uh, he took Brahma Sahampati and various Brahmas down a peg or two. Uh, he had various dealings with Nagas, uh, serpent deities. Uh, but that is not the emphasis in the life of the Buddha. Hmm? The emphasis in the life of the, the Buddha, historically speaking, is the communication of the teaching in a clear and rational manner to the individual, as it were, mental consciousnesses of ordinary human beings. So far, so good. Hmm? But, we may say, the Buddha, inasmuch as he taught only for 35, 45 years, which is not a very long time, did not have time to bite very deep hmm, into, as it were, the collective psyche. Hmm? Yes, he led hundreds, thousands of individual human beings. Hmm? But that was only a beginning. Hmm? What needed to be done was to influence on deeper and deeper levels what one can only describe as the, the archetypes of the collective unconscious, to coin or to, to borrow a Jungian phrase. Don't take it too literally. Huh? But the Buddha's teaching, and it was still the Buddha's teaching, had to bite much more deeply into the general consciousness of humanity, if you like, into, in a manner of speaking, the consciousness of the world, or even the consciousness of the universe. Huh? And this is where the Guru comes in. Huh? It's as though he doesn't add anything, he doesn't teach anything different, huh? doesn't have any additional teaching, but he is concerned more with the transformation of the depths. And this is why he figures as the subduer of the gods and demons. Huh? Now, who or what are these gods and demons? They're not just mythological figures. Huh? They're forces within the human mind itself. Huh? There are forces existing at a very deep level, not only within the individual mind, they exist as it were where the individual mind ends and the collective mind, the collective consciousness, the collective unconscious begins, but which at the same time influence and affect every individual conscious mind, especially until such time as it has attained a degree or a level of superconsciousness. So those forces, those primordial forces, those archetypal images, if you like, existing at these deeper levels, have also to be tackled if there is to be a thoroughgoing transformation of the spiritual life of humanity. So this is what Padmasambhava does. This is the prominent feature in the life of Padmasambhava. He tackles the gods and the demons, not just the gods and demons of Tibet, not just the gods and demons of India, but the gods and demons of the world, the gods and demons of the East, the gods and demons of the West. And in the West we've got a lot of demons, <laughs> eh, which require quite a lot of tackling. And this is one of the reasons why we celebrate 
Padmasambhavate in the West because that is the sort of ideal, if you like, that is the sort of help that we need to invoke. It's not enough to scratch the rational surface of our minds. We have to penetrate to the depth. We have to drop, as it were, a sort of depth charge and blow up all those primordial forces which are sort of holding us down and holding us back. <laughs> 